Hello, so you may have noticed we took a week off and we want to have a really quick chat about why that was. We have consciously planned for this podcast to be a self-contained, light-hearted, escapist place and that's what it will continue to be, but we felt that posting last week would have been directly disrespectful as it was a week to amplify melanated voices in light of the ongoing police brutality, violence and systemic racism committed against black people both in the US and around the world. So instead of uploading, we posted a list of some really great podcasts hosted by black creators over on our Instagram, which we still suggest you check out if you haven't already, even though we are back on the air now. In the future, unless there are exceptional circumstances like last week, we do plan to keep things here in a little inconsequential bubble, Mm -hmm. especially if we're pre-recording. But we are very vocal on our personal social media. So if you ever wonder where we stand on literally anything, those answers are very easy to find. And to be clear, where we stand on systemic racism uh, is that it is bad. It's a horrible reality that we personally and collectively need to actively work to dismantle. And where we stand on Black Lives Matter is that they do indeed matter. Very, very groundbreaking opinions from two white girls we know. This is not the platform where we generally will be addressing serious issues, but silence in this instance is complicity. Um, And there may be some of you who only listen here and don't follow us anywhere else. So we wanted to hop in and make our position very clear before Mm -hmm. we dive on into the absolute self-centered mess that is this episode. We hope that you guys are all safe. We hope you're speaking up and we hope that you enjoy the show. Vamos. Farewell. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I like swallowed as you started speaking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello and welcome to the Cabin Fever podcast. I'm Fiona. And I'm Madeline McGowan. Oh, and it's so lovely formal. to make your acquaintance. Uh, we have, I'm so excited for this episode. I cannot express how much I've wanted to do this episode. And here it is, ready for your pretty little ears to listen to. That's right. And this episode is coming to you live from Vienna. Me, I'm not. Oh, oh, sorry. I just tripped on a cobblestone. Oh, no. Me and my heeled boots on these cobblestones. That is the one downside of Europe. I like the cobblestones, but I also like to wear heeled boots. Always tripping. I know. As I am now in Vienna. That's right. The sun is shining. The air has a crisp little bite to it, but nothing we can't handle. Nothing we can't handle. I'm wearing a fabulous cape today. Amazing. And I'm just wearing a leather jacket and knee-high leather boots. So exciting. Complete the ensemble. Anyway, we're off to eat our pastries on, on the, the greenery. I think I'll have an apple strudel. What do you have, Maddie? Hmm, I may also have a strudel, I think. Ah, when in Vienna. Oh, I hear the music calling us. Well, let's go to the hills. Ah, even though that was said in Salzburg, not Vienna. So Maddie, let's kick us off with your... What's your win for the week? My win for the week is organizing my desk. Because a little known fact is that I have a desk, but I have worked at it literally one time since we moved into this apartment. And you bet she scrammed the hell out of that one time. I sure did. (laughs) But I've organized it now. I've got some drawers. It looks very photogenic. And I actually feel like I may work sometimes at my desk. That's really exciting. It's a great win. Lemons! (gasps) Yeah. Big day, guys. So... Um, <laughs> how do I even explain this to the people? The short version, which you will get the expanded one, but the short version is Fiona's win is finally realizing on a, an internal level that a lemon doesn't cost $15. So essentially, when we lived in Reading, throwback, um, we were very poor if we so haven't mentioned poor. that a million times already. Like literally some weeks would do our grocery shop on like eight pounds. I uh, that was my budget each yeah. week and eight pounds also I realized when I was going through my old notebooks where I was budgeting in them eight pounds included everything so if I had to catch the bus one fitty out 
That's why we didn't it. catch the bus. That's why we walked yeah. 30 minutes each way to work in the pouring winter rain because we yes. literally couldn't afford the yeah. bus. So, um, that's that... our gritty backstory. But <laughs> back to the lemons. Um, basically, the one thing that I would purchase for myself to make myself feel human again, I would refer to her as Money Fiona. So, to make myself feel like Money Fiona again, I would buy lemons and put them in my water. Just a, a, a classic little treat that we all have mm. uh, for time to time. But that was my main like anchor in like this is not forever. You will get out of this you one day. You still have your core identity, even though we were dirt fucking broke. Yes, and that is a fun little t- uh, a little tip for you there. Um, lemon water or cucumber and mint water. Very easy ways to feel luxurious, vibrant, affluent. Like you're living your glam life. If you've ever been to a single like nice restaurant or a hotel or a spa, yeah. they always have their fruits in there. Yeah, and it just really uplifts it. So anyway, I used to buy lemons like very rarely. Like it was a big, big treat. And I'd be like, oh my God, today I'm feeling so good. I get to have my lemon. And during that time, <laughs> I somehow internalized that lemons cost a lot of money because they were like my one non-essential item that I was buying at the time. I was literally living off like potatoes and baked beans, but we couldn't afford the baked beans uh, can with a ring on it. But we also couldn't afford a can opener, so I'd stab it with a really blunt knife for a long time. Yeah, she would just be stabbing the can of beans. So when we're saying we were poor, we mean like it was... Like it was an adventure. We were so fucking poor. Yeah. And the only reason it wasn't like hugely, hugely distressing is that we'd paid our rent in advance. Yeah. Somehow internalized that lemons cost a lot of money. And when we moved to Melbourne, we bought a pack of lemons in our first Woolies order. And one lemon went off because in my mind, I was like, this is such a big treat. Like I have to save it. I need to earn it. And I finally earned one of my lemons the other day, squeezed it in, and then I made some guacamole. And I squeezed some lemon in that. And then suddenly, flashbacks came of me when I lived before Reading, squeezing some lemon on an avocado to stop it from browning in the fridge. Which sounds like a very simple thing. But as soon as that hit me that that was a thing I did, I was like, but why would I squeeze this really expensive item just to to save an avocado? Yeah, just to save half an avocado. Like, it doesn't even go that bad if you don't lemon it. Why would I be doing that? And then <laughs> I realized the aha moment. Trademark Oprah. Maybe lemons don't cost fifteen dollars. <laughs> and it's like if you'd asked me during this time if how much a lemon costs, I don't think I would have said fifteen dollars. But like you would have been like three or four. Yeah, the value in my mind though was one hundred percent a fifteen dollar cheeky treat. Yeah, because it was that per- that huge percentage of your shopping budget, and it was something to be rationed out. Yeah, and it was such a like beautiful expense, like a very big thing that I was getting. Anyway, so now I've realized. I literally, as soon as I realized it, even then, I was like, lemons still cost around $3. If you ask me how much a lemon costs, I'd be like, around 3 bucks. And then if you're going to ask me how much you think a lemon costs, and I was like, I don't know, like 60 cents. Yeah, it's 67 cents, guys, at Woolies. <laughs> um, yeah, Riley looked it up, and she's, and then we're doing our Woolies order, and I was like, oh my god, can I get some lemons? And she's like, yes. <laughs> and then she got like three lemons, and she's like, it's literally less than $3 to get three lemons. Yeah. And I was like... Oh, it's less than two dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what she said. She's like, it's less than two dollars, and we have three lemons. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> but that's great. That's the nice part of like being being poor without consequence. Because we were poor at a time where like we didn't. It, it wasn't that detrimental. Like it sucked, but it wasn't yeah. like we had four children. Yes. And the great thing is, you then appreciate really cheap things like lemons. So yeah. now, the fact that we both have lemons in our home it's is like... It's a big like, day. Wow. 
And I realized that I have the opposite problem where mm-hmm. I allow lemons to go off in my house. But this is because growing up, we had a lemon tree. Yeah. So I just had an abundance of lemons. We had so many lemons, they would end up just like rotting on the ground because there wasn't enough to do with so many lemons. Okay, if you told me this a week ago, I'd be like, wow, so you're a Bezos. <laughs> I look at these lemons in my home. I still haven't used one since we had this conversation three days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I look at them and I'm like, it's like, like once you pop, you just can't stop. If I start using a lemon, then I'm going to go through those lemons immediately. And I'm going to start just going through lemons like five a day. Yeah. And I realize now that's a habit that I can afford. So I will start using my lemons. Basically, guys, we're super heckin' loaded now because we can afford several lemons. Several at once in our house. And you bet that we're going to use them in iced water. Oh, my God. So that's Fiona's win. That's my win. <laughs> What's your wine for the week, Maddie? My wine for the week is actually our wine for the week. Oh. And it is... Savon Blanc. <laughs> Savon? I was going to say Savon Blanc, and then I went to Savon Blanc, and then it got medics up. <sighs> JK, we are still poor. We don't drink wine on the rig. We can't afford I mean, that. I mean, yes, we can. I can afford wine. I just don't drink it because I gave myself alcohol poisoning that one time, and now my liver doesn't work. And I think that's Oopsie. why my ADHD meds wear off sometimes. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Um, my wine, wine for the week, our wine, mm-hmm. is... The horrific stage production of The Sound of Music that we subjected ourselves to. Oh my god, I'd already blocked that out. Yeah, because it was it was just over a week ago, but we haven't recorded since then. Yeah. And it was just so, so bad. And I don't mean this in terms of, like, the actors were bad, but just the setup of the whole show. We're gonna have to really hold back here because we could talk for hours. But we really could. But the main points are... Give, give two key gripes. From the sound of music. Okay. My two key gripes. Mm-hmm. The songs were all in the wrong place. That mm-hmm. is the biggest one. They did yeah. favorite things with the mother superior in the first five minutes. Which makes zero sense there. And then they swapped that to make them do the... The goat song. Yeah, the lonely goat herd song. So all the when... kids come in during the thunderstorm and she's like, let's sing a happy calming song. And mm-hmm. then it's like a fucking nightmare song about the goats. It was awful. Um, and there are a bunch of other ones. Like he didn't sing Edelweiss until the very end. And people have said to us like, the stage production actually came before the movie. Well, like, guess what? Sometimes things get better over time. And like the placement of those songs made zero sense and there were also additional songs that sucked that like you could have had something good there my second gripe they made rolf brunette and he's a hitler he's a hitler youth his whole plot line is like he is the bad guy all along that like yeah like you think he's the love interest and then spoiler but honestly sound music came out in the 70s so maybe even earlier than that who knows yeah the whole point of rolf is that like he represents like the everyday normal person who yeah. then becomes a tool of absolute fucking evil. Yeah. And he's also meant to like visually represent that. Whereas they made Rolf like a hot brunette. Yeah. And I was like, nah, nah, you couldn't make the, the literal Nazi blonde. They made no one blonde except for Carrie Underwood or whatever. Yeah. It was just a weird time. It was a really weird time. My two gripes with Santa music were that they didn't have a goddamn gazebo. Yep. 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 In yep. A- 16 going on 17, oh there was God. no gazebo, and it made me so viscerally angry. And my second key gripe... I think we just have one more thing about the gazebo. This was such a high production <laughs> value. Like, I cannot emphasize to you, they built a whole forest, Yeah, but they couldn't build a simple fucking gazebo. Yeah. I'm sure, given the time and the tools, I could knock together a gazebo. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone would have volunteered their time rather than know that this was going to go out into the world without a gazebo. No gazebo. They were just frolicking around the woods. It, it, was, it awful. was awful. And the other one is Edelweiss, which is one of my 
favorite songs. I think it's the crowd's favorite. Yeah. yeah. The role that Edelweiss plays in the film is that... It's twofold. It is. Is that Captain Von Trapp sings it, and it's the first song that he properly sings for his children, and he hasn't sung since their mother died, and it's like a whole emotional thing. And then later on, he sings it on stage to be like, Oi, Nazis, Austria is chill, and you're not going to change us, fuck you. Yeah. And instead, they only had it at the Nazi one, which, by the way, that Nazi setup was so much more prominent. It was so much. There were, like, three million swastikas. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, it wasn't meant to be that obvious. Like, it's clearly pro-Nazi event, but, like, yikers. Yeah, like, in the movie, it's in, like, a huge amphitheater, and there obviously are swastikas because... Yeah, but there weren't that many, because I rewatched no. it. No, there, there aren't that many. I music to cleanse my palate. But, but in yeah. this stage show, it was a, a tiny room, and behind the Von Trapps, there were four enormous swastika <laughs> flags. It was all you could see. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so you're not going to make Rolf blonde. You're not going to even use the word Nazi one single time in this entire but we're production. But swastikas everywhere. everywhere. Anyway, yeah, he only sung it as that point, but it didn't even have the same impact because before it had like the emotional my family impact as well as being this Austrian song from olden days that he used to sing with his wife. And it just, it really upset me because... I love Captain Von Trapp with all my heart. Yeah. Anyway, my wine leads us really nicely into the episode's topic, which is my high school has people in it that I don't know. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I cannot emphasize enough to you guys how much Fiona has had like a real fucking breakdown over this. I am having an absolute meltdown, you guys. So, before recently, before about a week ago, I think that if you talked about my old high school, I would have imagined mindless, faceless robots going through the process. Everyone's got to go through high school, there's a process with it all, and past, it's not just my year graduating, I can accept that, but like, I have a younger sister, and after her year graduated, I could even then hold on hope that there were real people in that school because like maybe they had younger sisters or there were kids that I coached in water polo netball who had siblings. I could understand and fathom that there would be people with personalities and lives in my high school. But there were people that you still would have known and would have still known Exactly. But once they're all gone, I really truly deeply in my heart of hearts imagine that just as... (laughs) like blank slate people going through the process because the school's still there Mm. and it's still gonna have enrollments and it's still gonna have kids graduating but not real people are you fucking kidding me that's insane i didn't have so much the problem of like i couldn't imagine there being real people at my school but it's more the fact that like i could imagine that they were like real people but the way that i imagine their connection to my school is like they're there on a day trip Mm -hmm. so they're real functioning whole teens yeah but they're like, yeah. they don't go there. They're just yeah. in my school. And it doesn't fucking help that the year that I graduated, first of all, we had like an absolute trash principal and I'm fine saying that. It was a real problem. She tried to make all the year eights learn independently from home for $35,000 a year. Anyway, she's been fired now. Correction from editing Maddie. Uh, technically she resigned because it's a private school and we mustn't have a scandal. But one of the things she did was build an entire new section of the school over a bunch of tennis courts which were like now we have less tennis courts are you joking 
for the year fives and sixes to be on the senior campus. Oh. They didn't even have a playground. They built them like a Japanese Zen garden. We have a junior <laughs> campus. It's big enough. They've renovated that too. But so she brought all these year fives and sixes in. So I went Ooh. back to like visit my drama teachers a few years after I graduated. Yeah. I walk in. I'm like, this is unrecognizable. And there are 10 year olds here. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. So it's like a whole different school. Yeah, that's It's insane. bizarre. Part of what helped her to hit home is I found i think it was just on a random instagram deep dive i started to click that this could be a possibility that there could be real people with real lives in my high school i know shocking and then thank god social media i could stalk some of these people i could stalk some of these young teens (laughs) one that hit me was one girl who talked about liking harry styles in an instagram caption and i was like holy shit when i was in year 12 one direction were an x factor and being formed and then they had One Direction, then One Direction broke up, and then Harry Styles started his solo career, and now Harry Styles at the point where Harry Styles is Harry Styles as we know him now. Yeah. And there's a girl in year 11 liking Harry Styles as we know him now. And I'm like, what do you mean you're in year 11 and Harry Styles exists? Yeah, because she would have been in year one. Yeah, which is honestly fine because that was the target demographic for, for One, one Direction. Direction at the time. Because uh, Riley was like, oh my god, if you told them you knew Harry Styles from the band he used to be in, I was like, like they would all get it. Yes, children all listen to One Direction. <laughs> that was, like, when we went to Little Mix concert, it was just like us. us. and, like, 14 and down. And we also do want to make it clear that um, in our eyes, all One Direction solo careers are, I wouldn't say equal, but, like, no, Harry's not necessarily valid. the top for us. No. But this one girl was was a Harry stan. Yes. So that's why we're saying Harry. Um, yeah, so that is my wine, is just basically realizing that by high school has people in it that's my wine and surprise surprise this week's topic is how to be the main character how to know if you're the main character main character energy whatever we don't know the title yet yeah all we know is that we are both main characters yeah because this is a very main character specific breakdown yeah. <laughs> i've been the main character my entire life ever since i was born i waltzed out of the womb weirdly alert and then sat up all of my first night in this world staring around the nursery in a swing while the other babies slept if that's not a main character that's or a, a major of a horror film <laughs> i mean maddie has some identifiers to how to know if you're a main character and then i've got some pretty good tips on if you have main character potential how you can really highlight and make that a thing in your life. How you can become the main character. Yes, yes, listener, even you. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, but, but I want to be like an inspirational podcast. You. you know, when they get on stage and they're like, yes, you, you can be the main character. Even you. Sitting there listening to this now, you have it in you. Believe. And to be fair, if you are listening to us, you have a higher chance than most normies. Absolutely. So here's my list of ways to identify whether you may be a main character. Some of these are also just important points to consider. For instance, the first one is that even main characters are not always the center of attention. And that's a really important distinction to make. And you guys should know that from any indie coming of age film. Or not even that, just like, even if you think of like, in Bridget Jones' diary, there are cutaway scenes where she's just like at a wedding and no one's looking at her. Or like Legally Blonde, there are some scenes where she's just like, in the library working. Yeah. The main character doesn't always need to be the center of attention. And if you do constantly need to always be the center of attention, you're probably an annoying side character. Yeah. Or you're just annoying full stop. You yep. can be an annoying main character. <laughs> main characters are generally active, not reactive. 100%. You need yeah. to be taking control of your own life and your own narrative. Mm-hmm. This is just an important thing in life in general. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with productivity and motivational theory like we are, mm-hmm. you'll know that being active and reactive are different things. Being active is going after your own goals, taking action, just doing things. Yeah. 
being reactive is waiting for things to happen to you. Main characters do have things happen to them, but in a different way that we'll get to later. Yeah. Um, this doesn't mean that you have to be like running around doing crazy shit all the time. It just means that you, the momentum of your life is determined by you rather than waiting for other things to happen. This is my dream, Dad, not yours. That's right. This is a, a harsh truth for some to accept. How other people view you matters. If you feel like you're entitled to main character status, but others don't generally respond to you that way, pause and have a think. Yeah. Hmm. Other people have to be invested in your storyline. So if you're like, my life is so interesting and I'm a main character, but like no one ever gives a fuck about what you're doing mm -hmm. and no one responds to you ever with like the vibe of a main character, like, I, I, I'm sorry. You can think you're the main character, but if no one responds to you that way, you're not. Yeah. 100% agree. And there are some people who maybe you're not in the right social circle yet, or you're just not, you haven't reached your peak potential yet. And also, I want to make clear as well, you can go from side character, main character. Mm -hmm. Like Some people are main characters for like a season. Yeah. But yeah, if other people aren't reacting to you as a main character, sorry. That's something that is actually important. As is the fact that you have to be born with the potential. It's a harsh truth, but it's necessary to share. But again, if you guys listen to this, you probably have the potential. Mm. Yeah. But it is hard for us to imagine people without the potential. Because it's like, what is the potential? It's, it's, it's a je ne sais quoi. True. You know, you can't pinpoint it. There are just some people who will not be main character. And you know what? That's okay. You play a, an important supportive role, but this episode is not about you. And also a lot of the people who will never be a main character, like, don't care. Yeah. There are people who are happy to just get on with their own shit. Yeah. Not everyone wants to be a main character. That is startling news to us. God bless you, Will and Riley, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I established with Will just then that he is like, he's part of an ensemble cast. Like, like Skins. And he's like, I'm not like Skins. And I was like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> a very important one. These are all important or they wouldn't be on my list. But a main character is unthreatened by other main characters. These other main characters may be from another genre or it could be a crossover episode. You can dislike them. Yeah. But there's no competition for protagonist status. This one was really driven home when we thought of someone who we will not name because we're not trying to get hashtag cancelled. There's someone who is within our friendship circles who is also a main character and it's just not a movie we would watch. And we're not like threatened or scared by him. We're just like, oh, okay, you do your thing. We're not big fans, but you are a main character. And we can acknowledge that. Yeah. You know? That's so big of us. Yeah. You can dislike them, as we've said. You don't have to get along with other main characters, but you're not threatened by them because they're main characters. You don't dislike them because they're main characters. You may just dislike them as a person. Yeah. Um, and people who react negatively to main characters out of intimidation are a minor antagonist at best and usually a credited extra. <laughs> True. The next qualifier is that you have to have inherent faith in your own storyline. This is one... Th I think this is one of the most important ones yeah. simply because... In general, in life, I have never not thought things would work out. Mm -hmm. Like, even when I haven't known what I wanted to do in the future, or I haven't had specific plans, I'm like, it'll be fine, though. Yeah. Like, I know the general vibe I want for my life, and things will work out. Yeah, and even when I've been, like, literally depressed, I've been like, this sucks, and right now I can't feel that, like, it's gonna get better, but still, inherently, I'm like... Mm, but like, like the trajectory yeah. of the story. A lot of the time on. when Maddie and I are having like just some rough times, you know, and chatting as two business partners will, our main thing is that we're like, I mean, this isn't our life. Like we can't imagine ourselves in like when I was struggling to get my first job out of uni, that was a big one. 
but I was never like, I'm never going to have a job. I was like, I'm just not the kind of person who doesn't end up working in the field that they love. That yeah. didn't cross my mind, even though it was quite a period of time of unemployment from the career that I had chosen. I've literally always just been like, this may be shit right now, but boy, oh boy, is it going to lead to something interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just inherent faith in your own plot line. Yeah. And like faith that your life is going to be interesting, that good things are going to happen. It's just, just, yeah. doesn't mean you can't be sad. Or you can't be depressed or things can't feel like shit. But it's it's one of these things that a lot of these things we can't explain. Because if you know, you know. And if you don't have inherent faith in your own plot line, like, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. I don't know how to help you. Oh, this is, yeah. This goes hand in hand with that. And this, I think, is personally the most important of all. Oh. Which is, there must be a sense of momentum and ongoing character arc. Different arcs will occur, but there should always be something. So over the course of your life, there has to be a a sense of momentum and ongoing character arc. And also on a smaller scale. Yeah, you have several plot lines going on at any given point in time because you're the main character. You are the career gal. You're the love interest. You are pursuing love. Like, this is your show. This is your movie. Mm -hmm. There's just a sense of momentum. And that also means you have to be doing internal work to develop as a character. Absolutely. Really, this is a self-help podcast. You're welcome. The fact that your main character can absolutely not be based solely on external factors because interesting, dramatic, difficult shit happens to literally everyone. Anyone in the world has something interesting. Yeah, everyone has things going on, so you can't use the fact that you had an interesting thing happen in your life as your sole reason for being the main character. It's part of your wider narrative, but it's not your entire main character qualification. Like, I know people who have moved countries a bunch of times and, like, had messy breakups and they're still not main characters. Similarly, you can be someone who doesn't have, like, huge earth-shattering things happen frequently, but just you... You can still be a main character. Yeah, like Georgia Nicholson in Angus Thongs. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have, like, a huge amount of, like, giant, giant things happening all the time. But the way she responds to the smaller things in her life is very main character. character. Yeah. We want to empower those of you who have the potential to really flourish into fantastic (laughs) protagonists. And we also want to maybe break the news somewhat gently, but it will get more harsh as we go on, to those of you who, at the very least right now are this not a main character. Voice. Why is this the voice you've done the whole podcast? What's wrong with my voice? There's nothing wrong with it. Sorry, Maddie, continue. It's I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. It's my information voice. I know, I can tell. Okay, here's another important one. <laughs> it really is like weekend radio host. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I keep doing the fucking you prayer. Do she keeps in prayer hands. I look at my computer and go, mm, that's right. And then I straighten back up, do my prayer hands and like bow to the microphone. to address you. So, other people's opinion of whether or not you are the main character would not change your own perception of this fact whatsoever. I think, honestly, the fact that you even wrote that down is surprising awareness to me because it's one of those things. There are some things in my life where you could insult me as much as you try and literally my reaction is, okay? Like, it doesn't make sense that you would even think that. So if someone told me you're not the main character, I'd be like... Okay, like that, but yeah, all right. I wouldn't even try and argue back. I'd be like, fine, like, I don't care. Yeah, that's not what the thing Because I know I am the main So character. I think it's a really good self awareness that you could even think of that fact. So Thank well done, you. Maddie. And self awareness is helpful when you're a main character, it's but really not is. necessary. Sometimes it, may, it helps your narrative to actually play out nicely. Yeah, but it's not necessary. Some people have no self awareness and they're hilarious main mm-hmm. characters. You may recall earlier on that we said main characters are active 
not reactive. But you did, Maddie. However, sometimes the universe just has a plan. Oh, yeah. And uh, in order to truly be a real main character, interesting things need to happen to you as well as as a result of your own actions. Big or small scale, full life changes or one-off anecdotes. For example, like a one-off anecdote would be that time that I flew to Switzerland for Bethany's bachelorette party. It was a very unremarkable evening. We were in a pub, but then all of a sudden we ended up meeting this like random multimillionaire going back to his weird apartment above Louis Vuitton and then like there having a crazy fucking night. That's a main character thing to happen. Exactly. Because it I came agree. out of nowhere. Yeah. Your family was like, let's live in Nepal. Yeah. That's a big thing to happen. So yeah. things do need to roll out in your life and things can happen to you. It just depends on how you respond to that. That determines if you're a main or a side character. For example, again, Angus Long's Imperfect Snogging, she didn't choose for her dad to go to New Zealand, but really threw a spanner in the works and how she handled it? Flawlessly. She blew her whole fucking life up. Well done, Georgia. Yeah. We applaud you. The final qualifier before we move on to Fiona's points is that... Before I'm take, my muzzle is taken off my mouth and I'm allowed to speak to you all. Don't even push that narrative. This is a really damaging narrative to push. <laughs> because... Oh my god. It just makes me feel like I shouldn't contribute. And it's also in a way <laughs> gaslighting because we did have a full conversation at the start of planning this episode. Maddie. And you're trying to come to the people and say, Maddie's taking over the episode when we literally had a full I discussion. I did, and that's why it's funny. Is it funny to gaslight? Apparently not, guys. No, it's not. My apologies to Hashtag the cancel Neon Fiona, the gaslighting <laughs> That's the hashtag. All right, Maddie, please tell <laughs> us your last point. In order to be a true main character, mm-hmm. you must have at least two of the following. This is not necessarily a comprehensive list, but it's yeah. the the best list I could come up with. You have to be able to mix and match at least two. Yeah. Funny, smart, a bit evil, stupid to the extent it's impressive, a specific prominent talent, hot, or the the umbrella category of mm-hmm. inventive slash innovative slash determined slash perseverant. Yeah. I would honestly argue you need to have three. Tweet us whatever um, at Hey Cabin Fever on both Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. if you think it should be two or three because I do actually now that we've gone through it, mm. I think it, I think it could be three to I make a solid, so well-rounded movies. character. And I'm thinking of other main characters and I'm like honestly they hit them. Elle Woods, smart, hot, perseverant. Yeah, like. A lot of the main characters I can think of do actually hit three. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I was being too generous. Hit us up and let us know if you think there are other qualifiers that should be added I to this list. Let's do a story and people say which three they have. Maybe you've been listening and you're like, girlfriend, that's me. Hey, hey, sis. Hey, boss babes. That is me through and through. But I don't know how to maximize my potential to become a main character. Another breakdown that I was having related to main characters is that I realized... A lot of my teen years and early 20s were very movie-esque. Particularly, we we addressed this in the first episode, um, particularly of the John Green variety. And so I was struggling to figure out what it looks like in my 30s. So here are some cinematic moments. Although we're not in our 30s. No, but I was I was I was looking forward. We promise we're not in our thirties. Oh my god! I'm Although I'm ancient. so excited to be in my thirties. I'm gonna I'm thrive so fucking hard in my thirties. Yeah. But here are some ways, just some little tips and tricks to make yourself more of a main character and really lean into that if you do have the essence indeed. Mm-hmm. Number one, have a signature look. There's actually a trend on TikTok right now where like, what would I be if I was in a movie? And it's like at the party, da 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 And you just need to have something that defines you. It doesn't need to be 
like you wear the exact same outfits like Steve Jobs every day. Maybe you have a winged eyeliner, maybe you have really great hair, maybe you're always wearing lipstick. Maybe, like me, you always wear a short black skirt and boots. Or you just have, like, a really distinctive color palette. I think another thing that ties in with mm -hmm. this is just, like, having just a consistent aesthetic overall. Yeah. Another one is rewrite your backstory to be as dramatic as it needs to be. I remember distinctly in year 11 having conversations with my friends where I was like, oh, everyone here could write an autobiography. Because if you take anyone's life and... Just embellish it enough. And frame it in the right way. Exactly. Anyone can have an amazing backstory. So if you think that you are a main character, but you don't have a great enough backstory, everyone has one. You think that you're from a small town, so that doesn't make you have a backstory? That is a fantastic story. You're just, you're a small town kid, and maybe you go to a big city. There is no background or upbringing or life that means you could not have an interesting backstory. But I think the ability to pick out those parts of your own backstory is a main character trait. Main character trait. Uh, another one is have a messy love life. Sorry to all the asexuals listening, but you have other ways to become a main character. But it doesn't have to be messy love life like you are having big breakups. It doesn't have to be sleeping around. It can be literally any of them. Your messy love life is mostly falling in love dramatically yeah. with everyone. And my messy love life has been dating way too many people. Yeah. It can be done anyway, as long as there's drama to it. Marrying your high school sweetheart, the least main character move you can do. Uh, unless you're like, it's a 40s main character move. Not 40s, like you're in your 40s and you have the kids and you're like, I don't know, I'm just thinking anything with Tina Fey. They I can would be main just characters. be so anxious if I married my high school sweetheart because the only thing that ever leads to is like a traumatic plot twist, you know? Yeah. You're not exuding main character energy there. Yeah, and I do need to emphasize that I'm sure it is absolutely possible to be a main character without any romantic interests, mm -hmm. but like my entire genre is rom-com, so it's hard for me to Even view anything it. outside that scope. And you may be thinking, like, I'm a young little hun. Mm -hmm. I don't have much dating history. Like, the people I like just don't seem to like me back. That's drama in itself. Oh, yeah. Any Unrequited crush. love. Unrequited love. Ooh, incredible storyline. I've written so many songs about people that didn't love me back. I don't think I've ever written a good song about someone that I was in a relationship with at that time. Yeah. So doesn't work. It's all about how you frame it. It's really fitting that it is currently raining. Let weather play a role in your character. Mm -hmm. And this can be anywhere that you like. Ours, honestly, we both love storms and rain. Yeah. That makes me feel so gosh dang powerful. Sometimes a main character move is literally going outside and lying in the rain and crying. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say in high school when I was feeling really moody when there was a big storm, I'd literally just like go and sit outside in like, the <laughs> yeah, pouring same. rain and just be like, this will wash me clean. Literally. Yeah, it's actually very <laughs> soothing to do. Obviously, snow is incredibly theatrical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even summer, riding your bike... Listening to Vance Joy in the summertime. Sitting on a balcony right after you've like had a nice shower with like a glass of wine. Yeah, having having a hot chocolate in the autumn leaves. There is a weather that can suit any personality, but you just need to use weather to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Ours, we've clearly both latched onto storms, but your weather can be anything that you choose as long as you really spin it and make it cinematic. Yeah, if the weather makes you feel something, lean into it. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like a full-on weather. It can be like... Full on weather. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, it doesn't have to be like this beautiful sunny day. I'm gonna go run around in it. Like mm. one time, I flew back from New York to London, and I was just like really tired and emotionally overwhelmed, and I fell asleep in a sunbeam. Ah, oh, 
Because I was like, oh, this beautiful. beautiful warm sunbeam on my face. I've been through so much. That's great. So even a sunbeam can be weather you can use. Lean into negative emotions. This is a big one for me. Yeah. Well, Maddie, why don't you riff off that? Negative emotions <laughs> are one of the greatest gifts in this world. If you're feeling upset, if you're feeling betrayed... If you're feeling heartbroken. I simply remember my... <laughs> okay, good. Sorry. Pretty much, yeah. Um, the only one I wouldn't suggest leaning into is like full-on anxiety. If it's a negative emotion that's going to spiral and make you feel worse, yeah. don't lean into that. But if you're just like, I'm so fucking upset, sit with that. Mm-hmm. Sink into that despair and really explore how it makes you feel. Because you may need to use that emotion at some point in the future to create an art. Truly. And also, if you avoid your feelings, they just come back. So if you really sink into it, have a good cry, sit out in the rain. And it also propels your story forward because once you've dealt with that emotion, baby, you're ready for the next. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely is true that once you have a really good sob, it is much easier to move on. Yeah. So lean into your negative emotions, even just in the moment, but also think of them as assets and think, how can I use this pain Mm -hmm. to my advantage? My next tip is to have a signature consumable item. For me, I think mine is ice lattes. People think of ice lattes and they're like, yeah, Fiona loves that. At one point it was avocado sushi. Everyone in my life knew that I loved avocado sushi. Just having something that you eat or drink is great. It can be water, stay hydrated. We love that. I don't need to list every food and beverage for you guys. I think this is an, an anchoring point. It's not like a necessity. And also if you're like, everyone knows that I no, love the, raspberries. These are ways to make you more of a main character. Yours yeah. is mac and cheese. If some, if Fair. Yeah, like if someone's like, what does Maddie like to eat or drink? Mac and cheese. Easy. I love drinking mac and cheese. It's my favorite. <laughs> Another really good consumable item is an alcoholic beverage. Like I'm so excited yes. for my yeah. early 30s for me to just be drinking Cosmopolitan. This is actually an amazing one that you've hit on. And I think this is one that we should look into because Ooh. a really great way, if you're like, I'm ready for a new me, But you don't want to have to do, like, a whole scheme of, like, really changing as a person. But you just want to shift the tone. Mm -hmm. Choose a new signature cocktail or alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Because that shifts the tone in a way that I cannot even start to explain. Yep. Like, I had my mojito phase. I had, remember my Jack and Coke phase? God, that was forever. (laughs) Yeah. And then I had this really weird, really weird few months that I will go into later on where all I did was go out and do tequila shots. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for my early 30s to be Cosmos. That's 100% going to be a cocktail because one, I could afford a cocktail whenever I go out at that point. Mm-hmm. And also, Cosmo, she's flirty, she's femme, she's a classic. Perfect. I'm excited. And a trade secret, you don't even have to actually like your signature cocktail. You just have to be seen with it enough. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, you don't actually have to enjoy it, just as long as it fits your vibe. Yeah, and sometimes you'd think it might be the right one. Like for me, you would think espresso martini would be a good one. But mm-hmm. when you really think about it, the shape of the glass pisses me off. Oh, it love, just doesn't make sense to put any it. liquid in something that shallow because I'm just going to spill it everywhere. That's why I love the Cosmo. It's so, and so one dangerous. time, my friend was buying us all drinks on his company card. And I had an espresso martini right after I had a bunch of like really old red wine. And then I threw up in my bed. So I just can't drink espresso martinis. Yeah. There you go. So you have to roll with the punches. But a signature cocktail, is that's an amazing tip by Fiona there. You're, you're <laughs> Thanks, welcome. Maddie. I guess I'm not a fucking monster after all. (laughs) Jesus. Another one is to take control of your narrative. We kind of, this has been touched on as a running theme. As Maddie said, you need to be proactive, not reactive. You can also rewrite your backstory. But if things are happening to you, give them a place in your narrative. This should come quite naturally to most main characters. But if, if you're just working on that and working on your potential, 
here's a little tidbit. If anything negative is happening to you, I did actually write down prettier poetically. Mm-hmm. Find the purpose in your pain. That's right. Wow. Like I said, this is a self-help episode. Because Truly. a lot of these are just tips for like being a really functional, fabulous, thriving person. <laughs> and being able to identify what positives can come out of negative events in yeah. life in general is really important. Yeah. But especially if you just don't have time in your fucking storyline to get stuck. Yeah. You gotta be able to gotta be able to roll. With I think it. that's one of the things that helped you like snap out of twenty eighteen was mm-hmm. you were like, Oh, this isn't my narrative and as soon as you realize like that that chapter had gone on for a bit too long. You're Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's trim the pages and let's move on to the next one. Yeah, I was like heartbreak because like there's a difference between an incubation period, which is actually necessary for a lot of big things, Mm -hmm. and just stagnation. Yeah. And I'd cross that line and I was like, no, thank you. No more. I do want to clarify that when we say, when we say rewrite your backstory, we do just mean reframe actual things that have happened. Oh yeah, like embellish the fancy bits and like cut out the boring parts. Yeah, don't make shit up because oh like, yeah don't make an actual like fake backstory because that's so boring it's a boring plot line and also i do think i've known a few like absolutely pathological liars mm-hmm. one comes to mind if you're listening she's not um <laughs> but you are the kind of main character who makes up your entire life that person is a main character but that's a short story mm-hmm. and it gets tired quickly and then you're going to constantly be looking for new audiences and it's just depressing and tragic. Yeah, and you also have to think about like what type of conclusion your kind of main character usually gets. Like mine is just an ongoing rom com, mm-hmm. which is why I had a meltdown when I was in a stable relationship. So I'm like, where do I go from here? Yeah. But if you're a main character whose whole storyline is like building a web of lies, that ends with like a big humbling. It, it ends with everyone hating you and you moving schools. And then you, yeah, it ends with you being humbled and like then you're. Your ongoing plotline is just you being boring and learning a, a lesson. Yeah. So do you want your ongoing plotline to be being humbled and learning a lesson? I don't no. fucking think so. You don't want to be someone that, like, 12 years after I last spoke to you, I still remember you as an absolute pathological liar. That's right, sweetie That's pie. a bad mm-hmm. thing to have. And also, telling lies to try and make yourself more interesting is a hardcore, weird side character move. Yeah. Okay, you have an enemy, but your success does not hinge on it. Mm-hmm. It's more of, like, a fun thing that it's like, oh, I have an enemy, this person, oh my god, they're the worst, and I could tell you everything about them, but if they are successful, if they do anything to it, it doesn't actually affect my life. Because yeah. you're the main character, honey. An enemy should be a hobby. Yes. It should never be your like main preoccupation. Exactly like Fiona said. Your enemy's success does not actually impact your own success negatively. Mm-hmm. Enemy and antagonist, different things. For sure. Your antagonist usually is something like, I don't know, time. There isn't enough time. Or like your own issues your antagonist is not a person rarely yeah yeah none of the interesting ones are people yeah unless oh unless they're like short-lived you can have an antagonist for a season for a chapter uh another one is keep a diary i feel like this is a thing that every main character has done at some point or at least documented part of their life because you realize from a pretty early age that your life is worth documenting and sharing with the masses. Even if it's just your hot takes on the other kids in primary school. Yeah, I used to... I remember in year seven, I went full... I mean, honestly, it was full ADHD and full main character combined, mm-hmm. where I had a folder, like a little manila folder thing that I kept all of my diaries in because I had seven different journals, each for a different thing. It's like, one is the mood journal. 
how am I feeling today? Another is, what did I do today? Another is like, I don't even know what seven year old Fiona could have written about, but she had seven journals and she knew that every single element of her life was worth documenting. Yep. Write a diary. It also helps you start to frame your life in a more interesting way. For me, retraining myself after my weird rut in 2018, starting to write a diary and training myself to care about what was happening in my own life. Very important. Another tip is, which don't worry, we're, we're almost at the end of the list, but one is take a whirlwind trip. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Even Bridget Jones knew this. When she went on her weekend getaway, her mini getaway with her beau, that was her being like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I know that I've reached a milestone. You know why? Because she's a main character. And Maddie did add on the point of just flee in general. Yeah, flee in general, especially internationally. Whirlwind getaways are such a main character thing because there's like inherent drama. Mm-hmm. You then have to pack so much into a small amount of time. Yeah, this is why London is, is a great location for main characters for several reasons, but also because it is you can pop to Europe. It is whirlwind getaway central. I went to Rome for twenty six hours. Mm-hmm. I think twice. I went to Basel for like one day twice. Yeah, I used to just flee. One time I fled to Ireland because another Irish guy I was dating moved. <laughs> And so I was like, I'm going to go to Ireland because I'm sad. Like, whirlwind trips, so fucking good, especially if they're spur of the moment. Yeah. Like, you can pre-plan a whirlwind trip and it is still dramatic, but just saying, fuck it, I need to get away. I need to get out. One thing I'm really glad about Riley and I settling down in Sydney is that Melbourne has much better getaway vibes. Like, I love the idea of running away to Melbourne for a weekend, whereas, like, the idea of running to Sydney for a weekend, I feel like I have to have energy for that. That's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Melbourne is like, I'm just going to go, and it's probably going to rain, and there will be cafes. have brunch, yeah. Yeah. And the final tip is do chaotic shit some of the time. Sometimes you just need to blow everything up. Mm -hmm. And don't do it in a way that it will actually ruin your entire narrative. No. Because you don't want to actually blow up your entire life, but sometimes... Just go do some chaotic shit. Yeah. Doing chaotic shit is a really important one for, I think, most genres of main characters. I'd say all. I don't know. I think there are some that, like, we just aren't aware of. Yeah. Doing chaotic shit. But, but like, also, that like, the chaotic shit for an indie coming-of-age movie is just, like, going to that party and getting drunk. So it's just, true. it depends on your genre what the chaotic shit is. Whereas my chaotic shit is fleeing the country and giving my number to a Nigerian millionaire. Yes. And then I had to block all his calls the next morning. Oopsie. But the point is that, like, you don't do anything too fucked, and it has to feel right in the moment. Your motivation can't be... I'm going to be chaotic. Because I'm the main character. No, it has to like genuinely seem like the logical, natural option at the time. Yes. Like to me, fleeing the country for a few days, mm-hmm. in that moment, deadass is the, the most logical way for me to cope with the situation. Mm-hmm. And if you've been listening to this and you're nodding along, welcome, main character Rooney. That's right. Um, but maybe you were thinking you're a side character and so we've written just down uh, just a handful of points to tell if you are the side character some side character vibes Mm -hmm. and i will just say before we start this uh there's nothing wrong with being a side character a lot of the time the side character or the sidekick or random like background characters love first of all they have their moment in the sun and second of all they drive the plot forward they're very necessary Mm -hmm. that's why there are side characters that being said my points for this are all quite harsh because I was thinking of one specific person I don't like. Yeah. So these, this is going to be a mean section on my end, probably. But we do love a good side character. We do. And I'm sorry. I, I apologize in advance. I just really don't like this one guy. <laughs> the first side character vibe is that being a main character is your actual goal. Like, it's your goal. Like, I must be a main character. Yeah. Because a true main character's goal is elsewhere. 
Yeah, they've got other things to do in their book slash movie slash television series. That's right. Uh, mine is that your entire personality is being edgy and or quirky. You can be edgy and or quirky and be a main character. Yeah. But if your whole personality, like Harper from Wizards of Waverly Place, oh my God. her whole personality is being quirky, key side character. Yeah. So yeah, if that's your whole thing, Sasan, he props a side character. Absolutely not. And those are often the prime people who think they definitely are main characters because they're so fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. like you dyed your hair, it doesn't make you the main character. You made a hat out of a tea cozy, you walk in the room with socks on your hands and you go, beep boop guys, it's Tuesday. Like that's not a main character, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was so specific for something I don't think you've actually seen. No, but like, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I've seen Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh, does she go in with a in the room and say beep boop? It's Tuesday? no, but she's a freak. Oh, okay. anyway, <laughs> uh, but what I mean is like just being quirky. Some main characters are quirky, but like it's that is not your fast track to success, sweetie. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's not the defining character of a main character. You have more going on. No, one that I've written down is is victim mentality, and that is the sense that mm-hmm. life happens to you and it's all so unfair. Mm-hmm. Everyone has moments of feeling this way. Of course. And sometimes it is like a little dramatic period in a main character's life where they're like, everything's going wrong. There's nothing I can do. But if your overall life vibe is things happen to me and it's not And I think fault. part of that as well is, because I think we're thinking of the same person here, mm. um, that does honestly tie in to the be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. Because life happens to everyone. But if you are stuck thinking this is how life is going to be forever you're not going to end up the main character. And that also means you don't have inherent faith in your own storyline. True. Yeah. And it's just boring. Everyone has shit going on. Yeah. Your love life is non-existent or dull, which kind of touched on early to have a crazy love life if you're going to be a main character. Um, asexual is excluded again, but if your love life just doesn't even exist, it's like, you got to have some drama going on there. Unless you have one really prominent other thing, like your character is oh, all about like... Oh, it doesn't have like... to be all the time. No. But I mean, like, there can be exceptions, for instance, if you're, like, a fucking pop star. You probably do have a love interest plotline, but, like, there's enough going on in in the overall interpersonal drama there. That's very true. That it doesn't have to be Yeah, I put too much weight on that. You're right. Thanks, Maddie. Call me out. One we've already touched on, but that is really important. A side character often has uh, a lack of a tangible story arc or growth. So if you're just usually on, like, one kind of level. Honestly, I think this is why it's so important for main characters and anyone if they want to be a main character to Mm self-reflect and invest in actually changing your life and growing as a person because Mm -hmm. most side characters they stay side characters because they have the same personality and the main characters outgrow them and then you're on to your next main character and things happen in your life like you get a new job you buy a house whatever but it's not in the sort of way where it's a story arc there's very little character growth you're growing up but you're not really changing you hate main characters if you hate main characters, it just means you're threatened by them. Yeah. We can hate someone, but it's not because they're a main character. No, we're fine. We're like, we don't like you as a person, but the fact that you are a main character is is deserved. Yeah. Lack of je ne sais quoi. <laughs> there's not much else to say there. Yeah. But if you don't have that X factor, there's nothing you can do about it. If someone asked you why you're a main character, your main points would be like a quirky thing that you do or a standalone life event instead of just your entire life and overall trajectory and who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just the fact that you move school that one time or you knit your own beanie and you wear it everywhere you go. Like Jughead, main character, but the beanie thing isn't why he's the main character. Yeah, you can take the beanie off and it doesn't change yeah. anything. And the, honestly, and that's a really good physical thing that he, he always wears the beanie mm-hmm. because that's his 
standalone main character look. It was based on a comic book where they all had the same thing all the time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of main characters, Elle Woods wears pink. Mm. You'll have to see it. You should still be able to take those things away and be a main character. Like, yeah. you could be in, in a, an outfit that's not your aesthetic. And Ew. you're still... No, but I mean, like, you'd still be the main character. Fair. You can't take the latte away and then you're not a main character True. anymore. Yeah. Hmm. A huge side character vibe mm-hmm. is... If someone told you that you're not the main character, it would shake and upset you, you would feel the need to dispute this. <laughs> yeah. If someone says you're not a main character and in your gut you're like, ah, you're not the main character. Yeah. No. You are absolutely, definitely, 100% not a main character. If you have ever sincerely referred to yourself as living in someone else's shadow and it wasn't part of a dramatic moment where deep down you knew you were thriving. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Because I could imagine myself being like, and well, not me actually, but another main character being like, I'm living in their shadow. But it's like Rachel Berry being like, I'm living in her shadow. And deep down you're like, in this moment, I'm thriving on the drama of like, for a moment being in the shadow. Yeah. If you have ever truly believed that you're capable of living in someone else's shadow. No, it doesn't make You're sense. You're not a main character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, like, my sister, she's way more the golden child, and I feel like if I was a side character, it would make sense for me to have lived in her shadow. But, but like, can't I can't even imagine I can't that. even imagine it. I'm mm-hmm. like, she's just vibing on her, and she's a main character as well, for sure. Yeah, but a completely different movie. Yeah, different movie. Yeah. Before we dive into our next segment, which is cinematic opportunities, as we've been going through these lists, I've actually been thinking a lot about which Enneagram type and Myers-Briggs is most likely to be a main character. Interesting. And I understand where some of you will dispute this because it's coming from me, but I do genuinely think, and I will back this the heck up, Mm -hmm. that I think that the Enneagram that is most likely to be a main character is a type Mm 8, and Myers-Briggs will be ENFP. And I know that it sounds like I'm just saying that because I'm a main character and those are mine, but let me explain. Mm -hmm. Type 8... Their main, like, basic fear and basic desire is being controlled and wanting to take control of your own life. Yeah. A type 8 is literally having to make their own narrative all of their time, mm-hmm. and that's their defining thing. Yeah. So I can't imagine a type 8 who's like, I'm controlling the entire fucking show being a side character. It doesn't make sense. That's true. And I think there will be exceptions to everything, but I do of agree. Course, yeah. And when it comes to like ENFPs, you did all that research and like every YouTuber is an ENFP. Yeah. Literally. And making a whole show about yourself, like come the fuck Yeah. On. It just, it really fits to be an ENFP as the main character. So I'm not just saying it because it's me. I'm saying it because I'm a generic fucking person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think every type has the ability. Oh, absolutely. But, but most common. For my own, I think threes highly likely to be main characters. True though, actually, yeah. Very, Because very they likely. care a lot about the status and perception yes and achievement but infjs i don't think i think sometimes really interesting main characters can be when when we are but there are also a lot of infjs who just like wouldn't even want that okay so we've now gathered some cinematic opportunities for you all and this is exciting for all of you because even side characters can really indulge in a good cinematic opportunity i think as well this is also just because we're both such visual people mm. that there are moments in my life where it's happening and I'm like, damn, this is a good scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. And everyone has this. Yeah. Like the most basic thing in the entire world is you're in a car listening to music and you look out the window and you're like, music video. The first cinematic opportunity, which Maddie and I are absolutely obsessed with, is 
transportation. Mm-hmm. The main one is train or plane. They mm-hmm. just make you feel so gosh dang powerful like you're in a movie. It's literally just the scene playing out. If it's any form of ground transportation, like a train or a car or a, even a bus, a mm-hmm. coach, yeah. uh, rain really adds to the mood. It does. But plane and rain is scary, so no. That's right. <laughs> the plane has like that sort of like, I'm on the go, this is a big moment. Uh-huh. Whereas a train is just so contemplative. Like a train, you have a nice seat, you have a nice table, there are so many views going past. It's so peaceful. It's I love just it. wonderful. Very so, cinematic. Transportation fabulous cinematic opportunity and i'm sure many of you have taken advantage of that already mm-hmm. uh, the second cinematic opportunity is one that i love which is just being very upset <laughs> when you're very upset you're at the absolute peak of dramatics true even if it is something that is just like a genuinely very upsetting life I think event it's because it's the most it's an emotion that you can see the most visually. Yeah. Because even if you're incredibly happy, you've got to add like different cinematic effects like lighting and all that shit to mm-hmm. really portray that you're happy. Crying, boom. Ugly face, tears, done. Yeah, and upset and sad are two different things. If you're oh, yeah. very, very sad, like it's a certain kind of scene. But when you're upset, there is inherent drama. There's such there emotion. Is, and it's very freeing. You're very raw when you're just so upset. Mm -hmm. So you're not overthinking. If you're like, I want to throw myself on the floor and sob, you're going to do it. Yeah. If you're like, I'm going to slam my fucking door, I'm going to do it. I'm very upset. It's just wonderful. It's very cinematic. Be careful not to do anything like long-term damaging while you're very upset. We've all been there. We've all accidentally kicked a window in our day. But (laughs) reel it in, but... But enjoy it. Uh, mine is moving into somewhere new, which is a big one in my life because I move countries and house too often. But moving in somewhere new, moving sucks, right? It is, it's, it's a chore. It is a pain to move. So the thing that honestly gets me through is imagining me doing all of it, but in a fun montage. Mm-hmm. So decorating the bookshelf at 1 a.m., I should have been sleeping, but fun for the montage. Dragging a couch upstairs oh Oh, so much effort but now the couch is in the apartment and back up onto that montage looks great so moving anywhere new and then having that place fully furnished and it's your own new home and it's it's a new beginning Mm -hmm. it's fantastic it doesn't have to be like a big movie but you could just be moving into a different house in the same city but that moment where the door shuts behind you you've got all your boxes and you're there or like that first time i came into our apartment in melbourne and you just had a shrine to yourself set up another cinematic opportunity very similar to my last one is overreacting but in a very this is so mad specific but in a very specific way with an element of mystique so not just like shouting and screaming like i've been having quite a few weird little snap tantrums lately because like my adhd meds are making me even crankier than normal yeah those are not cinematic that's not a cinematic opportunity that's just a tantrum (laughs) but when there's an element of like mystique when you're like oh i'm fucking over it yeah overreacting a little bit when the situation kind of calls for it. Mm-hmm. Very cinematic. A good storm out is the most cathartic thing in the world. Yeah. I want to say, though, as someone whose overreactions are mostly because of shitty mental health, those ones don't work as well. Sometimes Riley does something tiny and then I just sit there all sad and it doesn't work with the vibe. So if it's because of depression, anxiety, uh, 
get that one sorted. That's true. I think this is one that is really essential to couple with self-awareness. I think you need to be in control of your yeah. own genetics. Like, if you're really leaning into it and you know that you're leaning into it, fine. But if you're just suddenly sad and, like, staring at a wall until your girlfriend lets you play Mario Kart... That's not interesting. It's just it, a weird mood swing. Yeah. Yeah, you have, you have to know what you're doing at the time. Absolutely. Like, when I do a big storm out, I'm like, this is my time to do my big storm out. Yeah. It's not the same as someone saying something to me and me just starting to scream at them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my final one, Maddie, you're going to hate me using this word, and I also hate this word, mm-hmm. quirky romantic times. Ugh. The thing is, I would never use the word quirky to describe myself. I would throw up if someone did. Yeah. But quirky romantic times means not just like that first kiss or something. It's something you'd see in a Zoe Deschanel movie. Ugh. So, for example, one that came to mind was with my first love, mm-hmm. we did some baking yeah. We're making one of our favorite treats, and then we lay under the kitchen table on the tiles and had a conversation. We just talked, talked forever. Flour still around us, the cake in the oven, and that is quirky. Yeah. I wish it weren't. I wish that weren't my life. But quirky romantic times are what make for a cinematic moment because Riley and I just baking something now, not a cinematic unless you're doing a montage of our beautiful love. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the exceptions to the quirky thing are. Mm-hmm. Anything really early in a relationship or, like, involving a breakup is a cinematic opportunity. Because very early it's like, oh, fresh love. Everything's yeah. exciting and cute. First loves in general. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. But also, the moments in a relationship that are just not that fun to live through in retrospect. Like, for instance, just making one up. Um, having a big fight in the pouring rain on midnight outside Elephant Castle Station. <laughs> <laughs> at the time on like New Year's, but I think the thing not is not fun so, to live through. But those like, are but those are big events that make sense to be cinematic because they're an actual major. Oh, event. wasn't it was just like a normal argument, but it was it ended was up really cinematic. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the rain as well. Mm, yeah. It so was. for it to be otherwise, if it was just an argument indoors, it wouldn't be cinematic. It that's has true. To be a quirky romantic time. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Sorry, Maddie. Yeah. You called me out early. Now I've got to call you no, out. No, you're right. And then it did end with us like getting off the crowded bus and like skipping through the fucking rainy streets of Dulwich together. Yeah, so incredibly that's cinematic. True. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's got to be quirky romantic time. Sorry, I wish it weren't the case, but even main characters have to have a quirky element. Yeah, and we wish there were a better word for it because quirky is a very deliberate word, I feel. Yes. Um, but that's just the only, it's just the way, it the is. only way for it. And my final cinematic opportunity is London in general, Rome, yep. Paris, any European capital city, Prague, Vienna, Budapest, we could go on. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Some yeah, cities also, that aren't capitals. I will say, I think that your determination to put that in the list mm-hmm. is because you're in a rom-com. That's true. Yeah, because I'm thinking, honestly, some of my main character moments, Tokyo fits the goddamn vibe. Yeah. And that's because we're in different movies. So I think it can be... But also, I've never been to Japan, so that couldn't be one of mine. True. I also, think but it would also be, like, but... a small town in America, that can be main character. So I think it depends on your movie, but just know what cinematic cities and towns suit your movie. That is a really good point. Let's dive into our cinematic moments. Yeah. You may have noticed we like to have a little like Q and A or like fill in the blanks we just as to our let wrap you guys up segment. Know about us because we are so important and so cool. We're main characters, did you know? All right, Maddie, what's your romantic happy moment? So something that's filled with love and is a good time. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be my longest one because all my other ones are very quick answers. Mm-hmm. But 
It was the first day that I ever met my first love in person. Mm -hmm. Because we liked each other. We were already, like, dating just from knowing each other on Skype. Mm -hmm. I flew to London when I was 19. Really early morning arrival. I was sitting in a black cab from Heathrow to his house. Because I just had way too much money at that point in my life. (laughs) And it was, like, a really misty, chilly mid-November morning. Mm -hmm. There was fog everywhere. There was frost everywhere. Car pulls up on a tree-lined street with just these enormous tall hedgerow so you couldn't really see anything i round the corner i love this of this hedgerow and i start walking up the path to his front door and there is just like mist everywhere <laughs> like it is so crisp and cold no one is around fog frost so dramatic mm-hmm. and he opens the wooden door <sighs> of the house but the glass door is still shut <sighs> and i like stop halfway up the the pavement with my little suitcase Mm -hmm. and we just like look at each other through the door and it's like the most picturesque shit of my entire life (laughs) love that my happy romantic cinematic moment i i started to think of mine right Mm -hmm. and i pictured it and then suddenly i see it duplicate all over the screen (laughs) and suddenly i've got a million of it so it's basically me in England, mostly London, but sometimes just England. Mm -hmm. The weather is cold. It is evening. I'm wearing a short skirt and an oversized jacket, either mine or his, and we're making out. And he probably tastes of cigarettes. (laughs) Or is there is the smell of cigarettes. By the way, don't smoke. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Fun fact. Twinkly lights in the background. Exactly. Or just the stars, crisp, cool air. I'm like way too cold, but I'm outside because they want to go have a smoke and now we're making out. And that... I can not name how many people that happened with it. It's just yeah. duplicated. So that's my main like romantic happy moment because it was really fun as well because usually I quite liked them. Mm. Sometimes I did and it's just fun for the movie. That's right. Now, romantic sad moment. Let's bring it down a notch. Um, my romantic sad moment comes with a lesson, ah. which is that sometimes you don't really know the significance of the moment as it happens. Okay. So my romantic sad moment is the last time that I ever said goodbye to... Second guy I talked about in the first episode. And I didn't know that would be the last time. Mm. I mean, I still probably will hang out with him in the future, but it won't be the same thing. No. So I had to fly back to London. Mm -hmm. Um, We spent the day together just like hanging out as good buds do. Love it. And then I had to catch the bus to the airport from his town. Mm -hmm. And we were waiting for the bus to like pull up. We were just sitting in his car. And I was like, oh. I'm going home now. It's yeah. been a very confusing visit. Just said goodbye to him in the car. Hopped out. That's the last time I ever saw him. And then I just sat in the little airport shuttle bus, which was really, really nice. And nice. it was pouring with rain. And I watched like the sun go down as I like drove to the airport for like an hour and a half with my music in. That's great. So poignant in retrospect. And at the time, I was like really in my feelings. Of course. But didn't realize just how significant it would be. There you go. It is pouring with rain right now, by the way. So if you're hearing background interference... You're so welcome. Yeah. <laughs> My romantic sad moment is... <laughs> that is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, the time that Riley tried to dump me. <laughs> um, well, actually, she tried to dump me a few days earlier. Yeah. Uh, essentially, if you don't know, Riley and I started dating, and then she was living in France, I was living in London. And then she was like, I'm moving back to LA. And I was like, true, what's going to happen to us Like, when you go? Fully thinking she'd be like, we're going to find a way to make it work. As we said in episode one, that's rarely how that no. conversation goes. Um, 
then she's like, you know, long distance is really hard, duh, duh, which she stands by, but like, nice try, we're literally engaged now. Actually, a bunch of times she has said she doesn't even remember that this happened, yeah. and I'm like, I guarantee you it did. Yeah. The general vibe was that she was going to go travel around Asia for a bit, move back to LA, I would stay in London, and we apparently wouldn't end up engaged four and a half years later. Nice try, sweetie. Um, <laughs> so my romantic, sad, cinematic moment, that context wasn't necessary, is me saying goodbye to her at the airport when we thought it was over. And because I'm like, this is the love of my goddamn fucking life. I just have a good feeling about it. I was right. Um, and so we like hug goodbye. Also, she like collapsed crying and she still thinks it's because she was like stressed about her flight or something. I'm like, no. oh no, you know that you're letting go something good here. Yeah. Um, so it's the final hug. And then I just go and I just collapse against the wall. I'm wearing a full face of makeup because I want to look really pretty for the last time I see her. And so all this makeup, like winged line of mascara falling down my face. I'm wearing like a really cute outfit, obviously. I'm in an airport. I'm crying. Oh, it's perfect. Airport cries are fucking gold. Yeah. As are long distance relationships. Lol that we didn't mention that a single time in this main character. True. Episode. Yeah. I think honestly saying goodbye or hello at an airport, mm -hmm. like seeing someone after a long time and running up to them at an airport. Fantastic. And We've saying all goodbye. seen love actually. Yeah. The next category is like an empowered, sassy, I'm done moment. <laughs> and my first one is great because there was a guy that I just had like a really weird couple months with once. And there were, I was just at the end of my fucking tether. Mm -hmm. We were at a pub together and he was meant to come back to ours and like just stay over. But then at the last minute he was like, oh, I think I'm just going to like go home. And this was like the last straw in like a, a, string, a string of just flaky behaviors. Yeah. So he was like, mm, I think I'm just going to go home. And I was just so fucking done that I turned around, walked away from him, walked out of the pub, down the street, got on the tube and went home. Yeah. Without saying a single fucking word. Including saying a single fucking word to me, who was meant to go home with her. <laughs> and then she just messages me from the tube and is like, I went home. And I'm like, oh, what? Like, I got the station? Like, I'll come meet you. She's like, no, I'm already on the tube. I'm like, what? <laughs> Because I was just so fucking done. I didn't even, like, look at his reaction. I just turned around, walked out of the pub, and got on the tube off. And then I'm just at the pub vibing, and then half an hour later, I'm like, hey, where are you? When do you want to head? She's like, I'm on the tube. <laughs> but it was a really, I felt very, very good in that moment. Yeah. And that's an example of, like, being dramatic, but without causing, like, a full-on scene. Yeah. My sassy moment is one of my all-time favorite stories. Oh, I got God. permission to share it. Yeah. So... The very, very short version of this ongoing saga is that uh, best friend Liam in Sydney, um, he was dating a girl and <laughs> <laughs> funny in itself. He's a homosexual now. Um, and we did not get along to the point that when he first told me that they were dating, I literally assumed it was a prank and I'm like, try harder, bitch. I'm not going to fall for that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. And this built up for year 12 until the year 12 formal after party. Liam and I were having a little boogie on the floor. As best buds do. Yes. And we had this fun game, which we still love to play at a club, uh, which is just called copy whoever else is dancing. So we go up, we find a victim, we point to them without them realizing, and then we just copy their dance moves. We were copying uh, what we called the slutty gap year student. Look, it was 2010, we were problematic. Fair. But it was just the, the gap year students would often come and just hook up a lot. Mm -hmm. So we were doing some pretty promiscuous dance moves on the dance floor as we had done since year seven when we met and is just our best friend vibe. Mm -hmm. She comes up to him and says, don't you dare dance with her like that and storms out, which honestly good main character mood. Liam's like fuming and I'm like, no, let me deal with this. And so I go outside and I'm like, we've got to end this beef. You know, this beef has been going on all year. Got to solve it. 
And I go up and she starts shouting at me being like, you're such a slut. And I'm like, oh my God. So we have our fight. I go back in and I'm like, Liam, I'm so sorry. I really tried to make it better. And he's looking furious. And I'm like, I really tried to do anything I could do. And he's like, that is it. She has got to go. And he storms out. And at this point, I'm in the bathroom. Once he's gone, I go to the girl's bathroom and I'm screaming. I'm so mad. I'm kind of drunk. I just um, thought this is an example of three main characters. Yeah. Clash, like. <laughs> and so he goes out to confront her and she, and he's just like, you cannot talk to my best friend like that. Like that is so fucked up. And she says, look, it's either me or her. And he goes, her, obviously. <laughs> and then they have a whole fight. And then there's literally like half of my friends are like running around this party, running around the block at the bar that it was held being like, where's Fiona? We've heard all this shit go down. My favorite sense moment, I guess it wasn't technically mine, but just Liam going, her, obviously. Because you said you couldn't even write that shit. No, any it's better. incredible. Yeah. Um, and my other one, to just make sure that you all know I did have one that was mine, was when this guy who like spread rumors about me and was basically just telling people that we hooked up when we did it was a whole dramatic thing. Yeah. Um, we were both at uh, a YouTube convention together one year, and anytime I would go near him, he would run. And it was so much fun. I would literally just see him and be like, I'm bored. I'm going to go walk near that friendship group. I would go up and he would just flee so fast because he was so terrified of having to talk to me. That's why you shouldn't lie about hooking up with people. Exactly. You disgusting, disgusting creep. The next category is new era montage. Ooh. My new era montage, I think, well, we, we both had many. Yes. But one that I think stands out Your is... Your main one. Yeah. After I got dumped, I went on, like, a little spur-of-the-moment Eat, Pray, Love, where I booked my tickets, went to Perth, found out my friend was in Bali, and then booked flights to Bali. Mm -hmm. So the montage would be, like, me on the plane, me in Perth chilling out, me on another plane, and then me just, like, on motorbikes in Bali, hanging out with a weird crocodile that was in someone's backyard. Yeah. Like, that would, that would be my new era montage, I think. That's good. My new era montage was my first time spending an extended period of time in LA mm -hmm. because we had, you know, the montage plays out with like a trip to Joshua Tree with some new friends. We've got like new movie nights with a new bunch of people, an obsession with birthday cake Oreos, having a domestic life with Riley for the first time. Very, It plays out very nicely in my head. A lot of palm trees, a lot of sun. A running theme in both of ours, I think, which is important, mm -hmm. is contrast because what came before our New Era montage, both of us were like, in cold climates and it was very True. different yeah. so like i was like sad as fuck and like with my boyfriend in london and then getting dumped and just being sad and then it went to like fucking indonesia motorbike sunsets yeah and you went from like oh london being a working gal to being like in la with my fucking wife yeah the next category is a differently color graded era oh my god so it's just something that it makes sense for your character but when you think about it you're like this is it's an, a standalone little snippet of life yeah. that's in its own lane. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is literally just any time I went to Subway. <laughs> just every time like I Like the think, Subway sandwiches? Yeah. Okay. Every time I imagine my life and then suddenly I'm in a fucking Subway, <laughs> it does not fit. It can be any stage of my life. When I was living in Sydney, I'm a working class girl. I'm down by the hub. I get a subway. What the fuck? Or living in London, like, you know, working in Leicester Square in my dream job. And then I get a subway for lunch. Like, or what even the like, fuck? you know, the only one where I don't think is differently color graded. The subway down the street from our old Melbourne apartment. True, actually. That's no, the only time enough. it wasn't. Because yeah. that apartment was just like, who fucking knows what's happening? And it was all like, yeah, brightly colored. Yeah, but... 
Other than that, honestly, any fucking time I've had Subway. That's really funny. My different color graded era was from mm, like July to end of November 2016. When mm-hmm. I was just like going through some shit, I was like really leaning into the like mm-hmm. rebellious, not self-destructive, but like yeah. fuck it attitude. I had some really weird boy drama going on. This is the time that I mentioned earlier where like I just kept going out and like people would just buy me tequila shots. Like yeah. my friend Harris, Harris, love you. Hello, I know you're listening. One time I was really sad about this guy and Harris literally just like took me inside to the bar and bought me like four tequila shots. I love Harris. He's great. Harris is so great. We have to have him on like, as a guest one time yeah. just to talk about fish. He introduced me to those um those tiki ones with the passion fruit on <gasps> Yes, top. Harris. Yes, I was yeah. great. Um, but yeah, I just like got really, 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 really drunk all the time. And like as an adult, that's not like a great thing to do all the time. But this was a standalone era. Where yeah. I was just going out a lot, being very social, which is weird for me. Yeah. Staying out, like, all night and just being like, fuck it, I don't care. The real signifier of a different era is I was wearing dark lipstick a lot during this era. And True. I never wear lipstick. Yeah. So that was a great... It was great. Yeah. I'm glad that I got fucked up so much in 2016. Makes for a good story. Yeah. Recurring movie moment. Oh, yes. So this is just an everyday thing that would happen. But every time it would happen, you feel like you're in a movie. Yeah. We all have those. Mine is literally, I could not pinpoint any of them. Mm-hmm. Every single commute that involved coffee. Yep. Like literally every single time, whether it's in London and I was like picking up a coffee on my way into work, like I would take the tube in and then I'd grab a coffee downstairs. Or if it was in Sydney when I'd get the bus and I'd have my little keep cup with my coffee. Mm-hmm. You know what I think these are? These are the opening credits. Moments. Yeah, a takeaway coffee in general nowadays with a keep cup but back in the day when we weren't enviro friendly just yeah. like a takeaway coffee changes your fucking life I could do a whole episode it just on the magic of takeaway yeah. coffee but anytime you've got a coffee and you're strutting down the street mm-hmm. fuck yes mine is very similar yeah. mine is when I used to work in a really like cute little building on a cute little side street off Oxford Street so every single morning I would exit Bond Street Station from the stairs mm-hmm. and like as I was exiting I would like take my hair down and like emerge into the light of day. Yeah. And then I would just like focused strut down the street like my London walk is like nothing else. It is very focused. <laughs> Strut down Oxford Street really purposefully stop at this really cute little cart with all these fruits and get my like green smoothie. Love that. From like the guy who knew me and had like a really quirky like London accent and a little hat. Mm-hmm grab my green smoothie, sashay up my side street, go up into my office and resume my job for the day. Every single morning I was like, the day has begun. Love that. Your biggest Viennette. Viennette? <laughs> Most dramatic vignette is yes. what we're trying to say yes. here. There will have to be a bit of lead up, but it's that one moment. Yeah. My most dramatic vignette is the morning that I left guy number three from the first episode. <laughs> so if you're not aware, this guy that I just started dating, it was really great out of nowhere got moved to New York. The night before he moved to New York, I stayed over at his house. We stayed up really late and then- Night of Passion. I mean, kind of. We also listened to the Hercules soundtrack, so. Yeah, Night of Passion, that's what I meant. Absolutely. (laughs) So we had a couple of hours sleep, then I got up. It was really early in the morning on like a work day. He calls me an Uber, pops me in the Uber. Sun is rising, the sky is beautiful. I'm driving through East London in this Uber. And I'm just honestly really distraught. So I get home, I shut the door behind me, and I just like sob all my makeup from the last night off. But I still have to go to work. Yeah. So I pull myself together, I walk into our bathroom, wash off all my tears, all my last night's makeup, (laughs) and then I look in the mirror and I'm like, let's go to fucking work. 
And then I did my makeup again, obviously. And then I went to work. <laughs> Mine is the last night that we had in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, Riley and I were traveling through Asia and really enjoying that hashtag digital nomad lifestyle. <laughs> and then a little crazy kooky thing called these current circumstances came into play. <laughs> um, and so everything had been so dramatic in the lead up to us leaving. Like... I've got a video coming up about it, which will probably be live by the time you listen to this. So go watch that if you want to see so, so much. And then we finally realized that we do need to come back to Australia, which was very sad. (laughs) Um, And then the scene that I'm imagining is just when we've pretty much packed up the entire apartment. It's the middle of the night and I'm on our little balcony looking out at the river with all the cars going by, not knowing what's going on and looking at them the same way that I did the first night we arrived. The first time we got there, I went out and I was like, you know what? Because I didn't know if I would like Saigon. I was really not sure if I would enjoy it. But I absolutely fell in love with Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh specifically. So then standing out there on that last night again. It's like a full circle, but a whole new meaning. Exactly. Yeah. Full circle, whole new meaning. Vignette. Very oof. dramatic. Now I'm sad about Saigon. A time you turned a background character situation into a main character plot line. Mine is just living in Reading. Fair. Because I can easily imagine a background character being like, uh... This sucks. Life is happening to me again. But we were so goddamn poor. But we still managed. I think an important one is still make it our aesthetic. Yeah. Like our place didn't look like shit. Yeah, it didn't look like it didn't fit in with our story. No. Um, I squished in a lot of dating stories from those six months. Yeah. yeah. And you even squeezed in things like literally meeting your actual wife and like going yeah. on a cute day trip with her. Like exactly. So I managed to like finagle it into some cinematic moments, even though super hella broke and it. Being in writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's yours? Um, I tried really hard to think of one that wasn't boy related, but as we've established, my movie is a rom com, mm-hmm. and that's just like really interesting things can happen in my personal life and in my career, but like they just do not stick in my brain like the boy stuff does. My year 12 musical, my drama teachers <laughs> specifically, and they told me this, did not cast me as a main character because I had behaved badly in the last musical. <laughs> they were like, we were gonna cast you as a main character, but no, you're, you're not. You're a fucking crow. <laughs> and I was just like losing my mind. In hindsight, that is actually a very dramatic main character plot line. Yes. But at the time, I was just like, I don't get a fucking solo. I managed to twist that background character moment into accidentally making a new best friend and then falling in love with him. So, bada bing, bada boom, didn't realize it at the time, established that relationship during the musical. Incredible. And then realized I was in love with him on Friday the 13th. Oh. Yeah. And you were crow, so like, spooky vibes. You love to see it. Spooky, spooky vibes. Although um, I'm so terrified of any photo of me from that musical coming online because they literally, (laughs) in order for me to be a crow, they literally painted me pitch black. Which and is like, not a good look. No, and but I had like a a crow beak and stuff on for it. Yeah. But when without that, it literally looks like like I'm in like really bad blackface. Yeah. And I swear I was not. So, so if that ever leaked, she was actually playing a crow. I was actually playing a crow, and I'm sure I can find some, some photos with the beak. Yeah. What's your all is lost moment? When my first boyfriend dumped me, that was my real all is lost moment because I was like, my world has been shattered. And then came the big up. Yeah. Whereas my 2018 depression, like, there is an up now, but it's not quite the dramatic contrast you need. But I do honestly think that this is going to lead into you building your empire, so it'll, it'll make sense in, That's like... True. In the grand scheme of your I'm life I'm not far movie. enough removed from it yet. Yeah. Mine is very, very end of 2011 when I moved back to Australia. Mm-hmm. Let me set the scene. 
I had just had my heart broken for the first time, moved away to a fully different time zone from all my friends. Because at this point, like when I lived in Germany and I was in London every weekend, I had a fully established friendship group and bam, I'm in a different time zone. I've moved back in with my parents. I've just lost everything, which as a 19 year old was the boy I liked and my friends in London. Yeah. But then it went from a all is lost moment really into a cinematic first year of uni. Mm -hmm. My friendship group was a preppy guy, a nerd, drama kids, the posh girl, the British girl, a kid who wore snapbacks, emos. Like we had it all and we had a very cinematic first year of uni with like road trips and loads of parties and in my head I'm playing I'm on top of the world by Imagine Dragons. Nice. And the final category is our duo moment. Mm -hmm. One that featured both of us, very cinematic, and two main characters. Uh, I do have two. My first one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> is the very first day of 2017. After oh. a pretty hectic New Year's Eve party. Oh, no. And Maddie is lying on the kitchen floor in our London house. Oh, my God. Wearing a dressing gown and literally just so incredibly hungover. And I'm sitting there with my coffee, last night's makeup, oversized baggy t-shirt, just staring at her being like, lol, what have you done? And that is easily in the montage of our living in yeah. London. Like, oh, my God, we had a crazy party, but it's like... The what duo moment isn't what happened at the party. It's we're there for the hangover. Yeah, we'll post the photos of me that morning. I'm yes. literally wearing, I'm still wearing the costume I wore to the party. Yes. I'm wearing like a Gryffindor bathrobe and just passed the fuck out on top of a tea towel on top of the kitchen yes. floor. God, I was not well. <laughs> that was so funny though. My duo moment is when we summoned snow. True. Because this is like... Oh my god, I hadn't literally taken out anything of us in Europe apart from like yeah, the Yeah, because I, I knew there would be something like the one you just said, but then yeah. I was like, there's something else. We summoned snow. We were in Stockholm the weekend that it snowed in London. We were just so fucking angry, but we were both like, it's going to snow for us. It is going to snow for us. Yeah. Our last morning in Stockholm, I was just like really exhausted. So I stayed at the hotel and slept in and Fiona went out and there'd been like a tiny amount of snow overnight. Yeah. It was starting to melt, but like she went out for a walk and I was like, I'm going to pack up here, check out of the hotel and then I'll come meet you wherever you are. Yeah. The moment that we met at this really picturesque church on top of a hill there was a snowstorm. A full snowstorm. Like it snowed so much in such a short amount of time. Just as we found each other, just in time for us to take a on shitload of, of photos. This, on top of this hill where there's like a beautiful European church. Yeah. And a huge park. Yeah. And then we had enough time to take photos and then like sit in a cafe and eat apple pie while the fucking oh snow God, came so down. Good. We summoned that snow just in time. That it, was a great duo moment. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, my other one is... When we arrived in London for mm -hmm. the first time and we're sitting in the car that you booked because you didn't trust us to get the tube. I knew we'd be too tired and we'd yeah. have too much stuff. I mean, you were right. Yeah. Um, so we had a car booked, got in the car and I remember just like us driving through London, like all the old buildings, we're right along the Thames. Like, like Buckingham Palace. Yeah, because we had to go past all those things to get from Heathrow to our friend's house who mm -hmm. we're staying with. Driving through London as the sun is setting... Oh, beautiful. Those first few days that we moved to London in general, because there were so many highs and lows. Oh my god. There was so a high funny. of we're in London, then the low of like, oh my god, what have I done? Then the high of like, let's go out shopping in London, what a beautiful day. And then like, my ex boyfriend has told me that he likes someone else. And then like, it was just very dramatic. We're scheming in a lot of really nice cafes at the start as well. Yes, that was oh my great. god, that was great. That's it. That's the episode. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed. We hope you've learned a bit. We're it's sorry that it's so long, but you got two main characters to talk about being main characters. So what did you expect? And also, we skipped a week, so this is like, 
a bonus episode. Yeah, that's what this is, and not just us rambling about and not just me not wanting to edit for five million years. Okay, (laughs) so enjoy. We will see you next week, and also remember to follow us at Hey Cabin Fever on Instagram and Twitter because our Instagram is so poppin'. It sure is. All right, see you next week. Mama.